In Russian, the word for procrastination is prevalochka. In Arabic, they say tazvif. In Spanish, it's aplazar. Or if you're in Spain, aplazar. I tell you that because based on what I've researched, procrastination transcends culture, race, gender, and even seems to transcend time period. I read recently that procrastination is such an ancient concept that the famous Stoic philosopher Seneca actually talked about it during the Roman era and famously said, quote, the fool with all his other faults has this also. He is always getting ready to live, end quote. Procrastination seems to be baked into our behavioral DNA as homo sapiens. And just so you know, I am so freaking tempted to Google whether behavioral DNA is actually a thing, but I know that that will just be me procrastinating. So I'm not going to do it. (laughs) But we humans seem to be endowed with this just incredible limitless creativity and potential. But we also seem to be saddled with this crippling predisposition for screwing around and avoiding anything that doesn't deliver a snappy hit of instant gratification and dopamine. Hence the mindless scrolling, hence the compulsive email checking. And I find this juxtaposition infuriating and really unfair because here's how it shows up for me if left unchecked. I pour myself a cup of coffee or ambition, as Dolly Parton would say, and I have every intention to sit down and write a podcast episode, let's say. And so I say to myself, okay, I'm just going to check email one more time before I dive in to make sure nothing is on fire. And then while I'm in email, I click on an email from one of my favorite purveyors of clothing, let's just say, and I look to see what they got going on. And then I think, well, there was not really anything in email. Let me, let me just see what's going on in my DMs and Instagram. Let me, let me answer some DMs. And then once I've answered my DMs, I think, yeah, I wonder what everybody's doing. I scroll around. This cycle repeats itself over and over again until I finally freak out realizing instead of having 90 minutes to focus on a task, I only have like 45. This habit loop, this procrastination loop is as predictable as a ticking clock. It is a guaranteed scenario for me unless, unless I use my plan. And that is what this episode is really about. I'm here to share two big ideas and a very practical technique I use to beat procrastination. And the two big ideas are as follows. Number one, if you are a chronic procrastinator, you are not broken, you are human. Idea number two, if you don't make a plan to deal with your procrastination, you're probably going to have some very real regrets at the end of this lifetime. Because those little patterns of habitual procrastination we have, They fill up time. They actually happen in time and they eat up your time, which is literally all you have and all you are in this lifetime. We're just basically like time capsules running around. And if we misuse that time consistently, repeatedly, every single day, we wake up one day wondering what the hell we were thinking and where the time has gone. The stakes are high, my friend. We only get one shot in this skin suit and the clock doesn't move backwards. So my technique for winning my battles with procrastination is laughably simple, but powerful, at least for me. 
And I've never actually shared this publicly before because honestly, I'm a little embarrassed by its simplicity, but what the hell? It's my party and I'll cry if I want to. But my technique involves filling out a very simple worksheet for each task I need to focus on. I call it my focus and shine worksheet. And I know that sounds so cheesy, but it's, it just makes my heart sing when I see two of my favorite words together, focus and shine. And on Sundays, generally, I make a list of tasks that require my full attention. The tasks that require deep work, as Cal Newport calls it. And I fill out a worksheet for each and every one of them. And I usually do this when I'm like super high on caffeine on a Sunday morning, just feeling myself, feeling myself. Anyway, my focus and shine worksheet is super simple and I'm actually holding it in my hand right now. And don't worry if you want to use it or use it as a jumping off point to create your own, there will be a link in the show notes, which is the little description that's in the podcast, whatever podcast app you have, you will find the link to the download if you want to use it. But again, feel free to make your own, use what works for you. But my focus and shine worksheet is super simple. I'm holding it in my hand right now. It's just a single page and it has seven questions on it. Shout outs to my intern, Jaslyn, who, by the way, made it pretty for me because I usually just freehanded wrote it and it looked like chicken scratch. So I was like, if I'm going to share this with my people, I need it to be prettier. So thank you, Jaslyn. Anyway, at the top of the page, top of the worksheet, I always write down the name of the task I'm trying to dig into. And upon that line on this particular worksheet that I'm holding, it says procrastination podcast. And when I filled it out, I didn't even have a title for it. And then just below that, you would see the first question, right? Question number one is, how am I feeling about this task? This, you guys, is big. This is really the biggest aha I've had around procrastination. It came to my attention back in 2015 when I read this incredible Wall Street Journal article called To Stop Procrastinating, Start by understanding the emotions involved. And it was written by Shirley S. Wang. Shirley had a big impact on my life when you wrote that article, P.S. And I will link to that article in the show notes as well. But apparently what she wrote about in this article is that procrastination really isn't a problem of willpower. What researchers are discovering is that it's a problem of emotional regulation. And unless we figure out what we're feeling about the task at hand, we can't actually get beyond the procrastination to accomplish said task. Okay. So here's what I have down for that question. How am I feeling about this task? I wrote this. I feel scared. Scared because this is a big topic and I care a lot about this topic and I could go in about a thousand different directions on this topic. I feel scared because I think people are going to laugh when I show them my simple, humble, embarrassing worksheet that I rely on. (laughs) I think that people will think I'm an incompetent loser who has no business having a podcast if she needs a training wheel worksheet checklist like this one. And also, who am I to have an opinion about anything? Certainly not procrastination. That's literally what I wrote down for that question. How am I feeling about this task? But once I see the truth of how I'm feeling, it becomes so much easier to begin. And here's what I know about myself. My default feeling that I get when I'm about to do deep work is fear. And the fear is usually tethered to me feeling inferior. It's usually a fear around exposing myself, being vulnerable. I mean, it's the human experience. 
I know that I have a habitual pattern of feeling embarrassed and exposed by self-disclosure. It's my default. I'm, you know, I'm like every other person you've ever met who's worried about what other people think of her. But if I'm about to share something that is true and real and specific to my life experience, I know my first thought is going to be people are going to laugh at me. And I also know that 90% of the time, the very thing I think people will laugh at becomes the very thing that people respond most to. And so once I see this fear, this freaking common everyday fear that I have, it is so much easier to make a decision about moving past it because I know that when I see that fear, I am onto something. So I get some awareness and compassion for myself and how I'm feeling. And then I ask the next question. Question number two, how is this task helping future me? That same Wall Street Journal article that I mentioned talks about the idea that procrastinators, quote, often seem unable to see as clearly into the future about their choices and behaviors as non-procrastinators can see, end quote. This phenomenon is apparently called temporal myopia. And apparently there are researchers testing interventions to help procrastinators better envision and connect with their future selves. So this question is my attempt to overcome what is certainly a case of temporal myopia for me. I want to use this question to see that future me that is only possible if I make progress on the task at hand. So on this worksheet, I wrote down the sentence answering that question. Podcasting is my favorite way of expressing my creativity and connecting with people around the world. Future Bronwyn wants to dedicate even more of her professional time to this show. Future Bronwyn will want to take on eventually long-term high-quality sponsorships from brands I love to use, kind of like Tim Ferriss. I mean, a girl can dream, right? So that she can dedicate even more time to this podcast. And when I think about that answer, when I think about working on a podcast episode from that perspective, I can't wait to tear into it because that vision, that future Bronwyn who is supported by high quality brands and not brands I've never heard of or would never in a million years use, which are the brands that are currently reaching out to me. (laughs) The more I think about that future Bronwyn, the more I realize She only happens if I continue to pour my heart and soul and creativity into these episodes from a place of authenticity and curiosity. And those will be the episodes that people share. Have you shared an episode lately? Anyway, just kidding. Not really. So that's how I answered question number two. Question number three, what does done look like? Oh, I love this question so much. And I stole it from an interview that Dr. Brene Brown did with Gwyneth Paltrow on the Goop podcast. According to Brene, when she gives her team an assignment, she always has the what does done look like conversation. That way, everybody is clear about what the end product looks like. There's no ambiguity going into it. So for me, if I'm really struggling with a task, I make myself answer this question. And I answer it as sort of simplistically as I can. In other words, I make the done for this task an easy, quick win. For this deep focus session I'm working on for this podcast, all I asked of myself 
was to complete a cluster map of the episode, which a cluster map is just a brainstorming strategy on paper. And if you're like, what does your cluster map look like for an episode? Get on my mailing list because in a couple of weeks ago, I showed what a cluster map looks like for one of my episodes in case you're curious. So for me in this worksheet, done looks like having a cluster map brainstorm done and having my three act structure mapped out for the episode. And if you're like, what the hell is a three act structure? Go back to season one. It's called Mapping the Journey. It's an episode that I dedicated just to using a three act structure to communicate. And that's all I did. I was like, don't worry about recording the podcast. Don't worry about writing it. Don't worry about producing it. All you have to do, what done looks like for this task is a cluster map and a three-act outline. That's it. And that is so helpful for me because those are easy, quick wins. They do require time, but they're not unbearable. I can see the light at the end of that tunnel. Which leads me to question number four, which is how will you go about getting to done? And here's where I break it down into specific steps. Most importantly, what is the first step? For me, one of the biggest barriers is if I don't know how to begin something, I won't begin. And my work is always so amorphous. Like I'm always making something out of nothing. I'm dreaming up a script. I'm writing a keynote. I'm blank paging it all the time. And it's so intimidating. And so my answer to the question on this worksheet was, I made up my own little checklist. I wrote down step one, get a blank piece of paper. Step two, grab your favorite Blackwing pencil. God, I love a Blackwing. Step three, do a cluster map of everything you've always wanted to teach about procrastination. Step four, organize these things into three acts. And just seeing that broken down just relaxes me. I'm like, okay, I know how to do this. Which then leads me to question number five. How long do you think this will take? One of the things I realized in working with this practice of mine, this little worksheet, is that I often way underestimate how long things will take, and I often way overestimate how long things will take. And by capturing the projected and actuals for the thing I'm working on, it trains me to be in reality about how long things take instead of in cloud cuckoo land, which is what I would by default be. And I've gotten really good at knowing how long these things take. So I know that cluster mapping and getting the three act outline done is about a 90 minute jaunt. So then I go to the next question. Question number six, what do you need to turn off and what do you need to turn on? So the last thing before diving into a task at hand, let's say I made my worksheets on Sunday and I show up Monday morning. It's okay. It's podcast time, girl. When I get to this point, The last thing I do before diving in is I turn everything off. I turn my phone off. I put it in the liquor cabinet. I quit all of my apps except the ones I absolutely need because we cannot do a deep dive if we're being yanked out of focus every two minutes. It's just not possible. Don't even argue with me. You can't stay in a state of deep focus if things are dinging and pinging. In her sublime new book, Dopamine Nation, Dr. Anna Lemke, who you might remember from the film, The Social Dilemma, and you also might remember from last season, she was on my podcast, calls this strategy of turning everything off self-binding. It's when we proactively cut ourselves off from whatever is calling to us seductively, trying to take us away from our task. The fact is we are all of us addicts. 
We are all rats in this vast social experiment of social media and electric notifications. We are the rats that are helping companies experiment with how much money they can make off of our attention. Whether our attention is being gobbled up by binge watching television or snorting Instagram or disappearing into pornography, follow the money and it only ever flows away from us, never to us. We are being exploited for our attention span. And the worst part about it is that we choose to do it. Ugh. Choose is really, it's a funky word because we're addicted. It's almost like we don't have any choice. And so for this rat, I am trying to actively escape the experiment for at least a few hours every day to make my own money, to make my own stuff, to make my own mark in the world. Thank you very much. And what that means is that I need to focus my attention on what I need to do for my life, not some insatiable hungry algorithm. I mean, don't get me started. That was a hell of a rant. There is so much more where that came from, but I'm not going to go there. But anyway, back to the question, what do you need to turn off? What do you need to turn on? I tend to get so deep into a state of focus that I can completely lose track of time. So I typically set an alarm to bring me back so I don't miss a meeting or a child pickup time. Sometimes I work for just 20 focused minutes. Sometimes it's three hours. It just depends on the day. But by setting alarm, I set up a time container, which lets me forget about time for long enough to get something done. And now you just got to begin. You just got to begin. And the mistake that people make is that they think that once we, you know, answer the questions, turn off our phones, that flow just happens and that we get into the state of productivity bliss. And that is not how it goes. You can't get into blissed out flow states without facing down the dragons that guard the treasure of that flow state. And those dragons can be all number of things. They can be self-doubt, an Amazon package delivery, your dog looking like he needs a cuddle. The road is just filled with peril, but just keep going. And when you're done with your focus sprint, you can come up for air and answer just one more question. How long did it really take? And this is where I capture the actual time spent on something. And guess what? If something took longer than I thought, I feel super virtuous because I buckled down and got it done. If something took less than I thought, I feel virtuous because, oh my God, look at that. I'm magical. It's this incredible win-win loop. And it just reinforces the strategy. So for my task, it took me exactly 90 minutes to do. And for that, I am grateful because now I know. But that's it. Those are the seven questions. And like I said, grab them on my website or make up your own. But my friends, this is the secret to how I stay on track with all the stuff I work on. And after laying down this track, I'm going to take a break and then I'm going to move on to the next Focus and Shine worksheet I've got lined up for the afternoon. I got a custom keynote I got to deliver for somebody. And I love that I've got that worksheet waiting for me so that I don't screw around and self-sabotage. It's incredibly empowering and reassuring for this lab rat. And eventually I will get sucked back into the algorithm. But by then I will have done my two biggest tasks of the day, of the week, really. And you know what? Yay me and yay you. And while a worksheet may just look like a worksheet, it's more than that. Life is short. And the older I get, the more I feel it. 
I don't want to waste my time chasing cheap dopamine hits. I don't want to waste my time feeling small and afraid, muttering I could have been a contender. I want to try. I want to try. There's a quote from Pablo Picasso that I recently came across. He said, to know what you're going to draw, you need to begin drawing, end quote. My friend, I hope this conversation has given you what you need to begin drawing. As always, thank you for being here. Shine on. We need your light. Hey, if you're still with me and you haven't already, hit subscribe so you can get my latest episodes delivered hot off the press. And feel free to share this with someone who could use a little inspiration. If you're looking to go further on this journey as a communicator, head over to bronwyncommunications.com forward slash subscribe. And on Monday mornings, you will receive a communication tip to work with for the week. And on Saturday mornings, you'll receive a short little email with three things I am listening to or reading or digging right now. Also find me on my new YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash this is Bronwyn, B-R-O-N-W-Y-N where I drop new content every Thursday covering strategies for getting more confident during moments of conflict. And speaking of conflict, if you're dealing with a tough client or work situation and you need better skills for managing difficult conversations, check out my new online course called the No Enemy Client Conversation. And that is noenemy.bronwyncommunications.com. That's noenemy.bronwyncommunications.com. As always, you can find me on Instagram at BronwynSF, where I offer a lot of behind the scenes insights into how I make all this content and run my business for those coaches and solopreneurs who need a little inspo. And lastly, if your company or organization needs a high voltage keynote speaker who knows how to melt faces and blow minds virtually or in real life, I'm your gal. Shoot me a note. Let's make some magic happen. That's Bronwyn at BronwynCommunications.com. Take care and shine on.